When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Welcome into Purple Daily. Matthew Collar still flying high from his interview with Frank Gore yesterday. Alex Boone, what is up, Alex? How are you doing? I'm still on cloud nine. (laughs) Uh, If you missed it, make sure you go to uh, the podcast feed. It's about an hour and a half in uh, to the to the whole podcast, but I think we also pulled it separately, right? So yep, it's um, in a separate. So it's very easy to find. You go to where you get your podcast. You type in Purple Daily and hear Alex Boone freak out when Frank Gore was on the other side of the phone. Lost it. That was super fun. Now let's talk about a, another Miami running back or Miami uh, raised running back with Florida State, Boom. obviously Delvin Cook, not practicing today. No surprise. And uh, when Delvin Cook went to the podium today, well, here's what he had to say. I'm gonna go through my normal week of preparation of getting ready for the game. I don't know. I'm gonna spend as much of the time as I can in the training room to get ready to play, and then we're gonna go from there. You know, it's, it's a different injury than I had before. It's my shoulder this time. But, you know, that's where we at with it. So there you have it. Delvin Cook saying that he'll try to do whatever he can. But reports coming from Adam Schefter, Courtney Cronin, Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune, all saying that Delvin Cook very unlikely to play these next two weeks to get his shoulder and whatever else it was, clavicle, sternum, something else, uh, back up to 100% by the time the Vikings get to the playoffs. Uh, Alex, you as a man who has played through an injury or two in your career, uh, how do you balance really wanting to get out there, really caring about being on the field for your teammates, and also having an injury that could get worse at some point? How do you deal with that? I I was an offensive lineman. We didn't have a choice. You played through every single (laughs) injury. I'll tell you a true story. I tore my ACL one game, and I had the trainers run out on the field, and I was on the ground. I was on the ground the same time as one of my counterparts was on the ground because he fell onto me, and my leg got stuck, and he like it almost snapped in half, but it hurt like hell. So he's crying because he got hurt from the side, and I'm crying because my knee's really hurt, and the trainer comes over to me and he's like, dude, so-and-so's down. You need to get up because nobody cares. And I was instantly (laughs) like, all right. So I get up and watch them. I'm like, man, this, this don't feel right, man. They're like, boom, talk to us after the game. We're busy with so-and-so. I'm like, okay, I- I'm just done. for. Go in that night, get an MRI next day. Like, dude, Tori, ACL, how come you didn't tell us? You know, you could have came up to us and let us. I'm like, dude, I did, but you were with so-and-so. And they're like, oh, well, at least we found out, right? Like, we're good. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks for that. So, I mean, when you're an offensive lineman, you don't get to pick and choose when you sit out. You just play through it. 
Well, on the running back side, I think we would you all have to. agree you have to. that you do not want him to play through it, though, here. Yeah. Like, he may eventually have to in the playoffs, and that's the sacrifice you have to make. But for these next two games, Delvin Cook, in my mind, is far too valuable to the offense that the yeah. entire thing surrounds uh, around him getting them to second and two, second and three, second and four, where they can set up their play actions and everything else. And there are very few running backs that have the capability to break as many tackles as Delvin Cook to get you in those situations. So even though you do have Mike Boone, who might put on a good performance, and you do have Alexander Madison, that's great, um, you want as close to 100 percent of a Pro Bowl running back, a guy who midway through this season we might have said is the best running back in the entire NFL. You need him as close as he can be to 100% because as he's gotten these injuries, his production has fallen off too, that he's dropped to about three and a half yards a carry over the last five weeks. If you get three and a half yards a carry from Delvin Cook, you are probably not going super deep in the playoffs. No, and and that's one of those things that even like a second and five makes it so much more manageable than a second and seven or a second and eight because those are the distances that the blitz will pick up, and that's when people start to pressure you more, and they're not afraid of you as much. When you can get somebody into a second and five, like they're like, dude, all they got to do is give the ball to Delvin again, and there's your first down. You know, they, It makes the game plan so much easier. So, yeah, when you're talking about do we need Delvin in the playoffs, absolutely. We need Delvin, and we need him to perform as well. Like if This just can't be one of those things where he's out on the field, all oh, the defense is going to be scared because you're playing against the most elite defenses. To them, they're like, dude, we don't care. You need to scare us. We don't need to scare you. We'll prove what we can do. They're going to unleash us in a minute. It's about to be second and nine. I'm about to feast today. That's when Dalvin shows up big, especially on the outsides against corners that don't want to tackle, that they want to be premier guys. And it's been clearly more difficult when they haven't run very well. The first half against Denver was one of the best examples. And they ultimately come back. Denver is bad. Their third-string quarterback throws an interception in the end zone and then can't finish the drive. But if they had lost that game, we would have been talking a lot about, hey, this is what it looks like when you go up against a halfway decent defense that didn't even really sack the quarterback a whole lot. Denver hasn't all year long. But a defense that could stop the run against you and then force Kirk Cousins to be one-dimensional in the passing game, I think that's been the the biggest difference with Kirk Cousins this year to even last year, where John DeFilippo wanted to throw all the time. But not only that, their run, whatever you call it, their run scheme, their run packages, were just not as effective. And Delvin Cook was pretty good when he was in, 4.6 yards per carry, but when he wasn't, they couldn't get a whole lot out of it. And then you set up Kirk in the shotgun in second and nine, and then you're just asking whatever beast is on the other side to pin right. the ears back and go after him. And and that's the difference with Cousins and, and why I think you would have some people still argue that his numbers are great this year, but he isn't the upper, upper echelon of quarterbacks because when he's pinned into those situations... He's not the same type of guy, whereas an Aaron Rodgers or maybe a Deshaun Watson or or Russell Wilson can still be that guy if you're constantly putting him in third and nine because they can make plays outside the pocket and extend plays and, and make exceptional throws down the field. It's not always like that for Cousins because of his pocket presence, and this all just sort of circles back to Delvin Cook. Now, on the guy who could be playing, Mike Boone, um, this has the potential to be the Mike Boone game that we all remember. Uh, Mike Boone is actually good, and I know you guys are related, so you might have a Boone bias here, <laughs> but uh, you know, I look at this Vikings team as one of the main reasons they are where they are in the Mike Zimmer era, is that they've been able to develop players like Mike Boone. Guys who show up in training camp and 
reporters like us ignore them and like, yeah, you know, I don't know, that guy's the eighth running back and supposedly had a good combine. I don't know, whatever. Uh, oh, he's going to play special teams. This guy, right. Anthony Harris, I don't know, who cares, right? And then he's right now by PFF, the fifth best safety in the NFL. And we see this all the time with the development of Adam Thielen. I don't know what it is, Alex, but it is remarkable to me how often we see players like this show up and you don't think anything of them, and then at some point they're called upon and they seem to rise to the challenge. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with Mike Boone. Agreed. And credit to the player. I mean, it's it's a tough situation. I think for a lot of these guys, they're behind such great players that the minute they get the second of exposure that they're going to get, they just jump on it because they know, listen, I'm only going to have a limited ability to show what I can do because when Dalvin comes back, Dalvin's the guy. When Alexander Madison's back, he's the second guy. And then I move back to the third guy. So guys know going into the game, listen, if you're going to do something, dude, you got to do it right now. Like Show the team what you're worth mm-hmm. right now. And I think, too, when you sit in a room with great players, you're in a room with Dalvin Cook. Your guy in front of you behind Dalvin is Alexander Madison, another starting running back for another team on any other team almost. But then you pick those two guys' brains all day. And you listen to them talk, and you listen to why they do the things they do. That's why so many coaches make you explain so many things to the room. Because they want the young guys to learn from you as well. Hey, why did you do this? Well, I did it because I was thinking that maybe last time he was going to do this, and then so we were going to flip, and this is his counter. All of a sudden, the young guys start picking up on, oh, that's what it means to be the consummate pro. That's what it means to understand this offense. That's what it means to think and not be a robot. Got it. And when you're talking to a guy like Dalvin, he's telling you, listen, I, this is the hole I see. This is what I know is going to happen. This is how I see it. This is why I knew to cut like this. A great player will learn from that and go, man, when I get my opportunity, i got to do exactly what he's doing. I'm going to learn from him, and then I'm going to go out and do it. And credit to Mike Boone for doing it. And he could have very well have a big game this week. Absolutely. And, and, and I don't know how you felt when you were inside that locker room, but for me covering this team over the last few years – it is the most high IQ of their sport group oh, yeah. that, that I've ever been around as a reporter of people who just have this encyclopedic knowledge and how to apply it on the field from position to position to position, whether you're talking about Harrison Smith or Daniil Hunter's huge gains from year to year based on his improvements in technique or someone like Anthony Harris, who's a really, really bright guy. And, and it just never really surprises me when someone has success like this, because I think it's a, such a, a vital part of how they scout is looking for the high intelligence player. Now, somehow they sign you but for the most part uh but for but for the most part it, it really it really uh sort of sticks out to me as being different where you look at any part of the locker room and go man there's just high iq guys all over the place here and that's really the locker room that you want like uh, guys can joke around and mess around and people are always going to be like oh you know they're they're not that smart they're football players or whatever but when you're in a, a professional locker room like that and you start to talk to guys about their craft and they don't just give you the random like yeah i try real hard like they start breaking things down yeah that's when you're like, dude, this is this is pretty incredible. And I compare the Vikings team to probably the best defensive Niners team we had because when you spoke to those guys, too, it wasn't like – I say it's like they had a purpose and they knew their purpose and mm-hmm. they wanted to go out and accomplish it because I think that when you look at some defenses, they're just out there. And they're like, well, I'm not really sure what I'm doing. I just know I'm supposed to be in this zone. But if you look at a linebacker with a purpose or a defensive lineman with a purpose, they know where they need to be and they get there. And they get there in a hurry and with a vengeance. Like they're just – they know what's going on around them. They constantly are trying to be students of the game and just incredible. And I think sometimes of like the meetings we used to sit in and Tom Rathman used to run them. And you want to talk about a guy that was like a historian. Necrol. Bro, he used to break <laughs> things down. All the time. And you'd be like, 
oh my god, this was incredible. And he'd be like, no, and he'd get like into a stance, and then he'd put his <laughs> hand on the ground, and he'd like have the remote in one hand, and you'd be like, oh my god, he's gonna lose it this time. He's gonna. Do it. And he'd be like, they're a thirty-three percent pressure team on third down, and he was like screaming, but he he would break it all down for you, and you would be like, dude. That was with a purpose. That and guy knows what he wants to teach you when he's teaching it to you. Also hugely helpful for uh, reporters to be able oh, to yeah. get that sort of knowledge from players like that. All right, another uh, topic out there from today, TCO Performance Center, was Kirk on Monday night. Always, always Kirk's favorite thing to talk about. So Mike Zimmer and Kirk discussed it. Kirk has done a great job for us this year. He's He's been outstanding. He's played great all year long. If if we get beat on Monday night, it's not going to be because of Kirk Cousins. It's because we didn't win as a team. And uh, when we've won games this year, it hasn't been because of Kirk, even though he's played good, but we've won as a team. So we're just going to stick to that mantra that, that that's who we are and how we do things here. And, um, you know, hopefully he has a great game and hopefully we win. But it's not all on him. It's it's We have, you know, 22 other players uh, that are, are 21 other players, and uh, we uh, they have to go out and execute just as much as he does. But unfortunately, him and I get all the blame. Yeah, I would love to get a win, and uh, you know for a lot of reasons, and and uh, you know hopefully we can get that done. But uh, it is what it is, and uh, can't change the past. But he certainly have a great opportunity Monday night. Kirk loving to be asked about his uh, winless Monday night record. What do you sure. ma- what do you make of how Mike Zimmer handled that question? He just takes it so awkwardly, in my opinion. There's so many ways to like deflect all that and just be like, "Listen, Kirk's played fabulous for us all year. Look where we're at as a team. We're super excited about him. We can't wait to go on to Monday night." It's like a 15-minute conversation, and it's like, I don't want to leave anybody out. Did I leave Kirk out? Are we talking about Kirk? We, did I bring up the defense yet? The defense is also a part of this team, but don't forget about special teams as well. Like, dude, we get it. But There the- has only been one quarterback who Mike Zimmer could comfortably talk about, and it was Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, everybody can talk about Teddy Cumberland. Right, we right. loved him. But, that, but, but it, is, it is uncomfortable is the perfect yeah. way to discuss how Mike Zimmer talks about Kirk Cousins, where he's like, well, you know, I don't really trust him, and he's probably going <laughs> to screw this up for me, and if he does, I'm going <laughs> to kill him in his house. But, uh, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, no, he's been good. We love him. We love him. He's a team win. <laughs> well, my problem is, like, what if he goes out and throws four interceptions, then it is and his the, defense, <laughs> the defense holds him to, like, seven points, and he's like, well, it's a team loss, I guess. Like, someone's going to say, you know, like, Chris, Tomlinson's going to be like, so was it a team loss? Or <laughs> They're just to jab him. But you're right. Uh, yeah. I think if sometimes when people know you're a little bit vulnerable, especially, listen, Kelly, I don't have to tell you, in the media, if they sense blood in the water, they're going to pounce, right? So they constantly want to keep jabbing, jab. If he would just come out every time with the same answer, they wouldn't ask him anymore, I don't think. No, you're right about that. And I always give Zimmer credit for trying to answer the questions. Um, every time he's tried to do the Belichick thing, he breaks. You just look at it, you just look at him and you're like, nah, that's not you, buddy. And, a, and, and, and a day later, he'll be like, okay, sorry, I was so harsh yesterday. And here's a real answer for the most part. And it sort of becomes sport because you're like, Mike, you were kind of mean to us. I think you need to give us some answers now. And he will. Uh, but with Cousins and the Monday night thing, for Zimmer, I think what goes through his head there is that he knows the record. He knows the whole thing about prime time. He's also seen it. I mean, every Vikings fan who's watched through this season 
What will they say? Well, you know, we haven't seen much of Bad Kirk, but he has shown up a few times, and when he does, my, is it bad, like in Kansas City or especially in Chicago, and the last time in Green Bay, and it's usually when the pressure is really on. And last year, there were a couple times where he had opportunities to beat good teams, even at U.S. Bank Stadium, like against New Orleans. And whether it was his fault or not, still, a pick six happens, and you end up losing the game, and then a failed fourth down happens, you end up losing the game. And... And we're always still looking for this with Cousins, and everybody knows it. There's no ignoring it. There's no pretending it doesn't exist. Cousins knows everything that's been said and will be said about him, and Zimmer knows that he's seen the same thing everybody else has, and I'm sure Zimmer would love to see a huge performance from Cousins on Monday Night Football to feel a little more secure when they go into the playoffs and every game is like Monday Night Football against the Packers. Frankly, I would too. And and I'm not saying that I don't believe in Kirk. I totally do. But it's just one of those things. And people are like, well, they need to change the narrative. Well, then you need to change your record on Monday night, dude. What do you want me to tell you? Like, people, that's going to follow you forever. And it's just because stats mean so much to so many people. Now, even to a guy like me, like, that doesn't even believe in stats, I'm like, man, 0-8, oh wow, that's uh... <laughs> like 0-4. Oh I could get that. I could really push myself to be like, your defense sucks. Like, to not get up four times on Monday night. But 0-8? Oh Like, yeah, man, sorry. That's the narrative. And until you change that, until you go out there, people are constantly going to be naysayers about you. But listen, you go out there on Monday night, most likely without Dalvin Cook, hopefully with Alexander Madison and Mike Boone, and you go out there and you stick it to the Green Bay defense and you watch everybody turn. Within one night, they're going to be like, dude, this team is a Super Bowl contender. They'll they'll, they'll be saying that because he's going to do it without Dalvin, and that's everyone's biggest question. And it was my question, too, and it showed us a little bit on the Broncos, right? Now, the Broncos scared me because their offense is trash, and I don't care what anyone says. That rookie quarterback, he's a rookie. Yeah, it, it is what it is. Their defense was really, really good going into that game. They're like fourth in passing. Like that's Vic's thing. Vic loves to shut down the pass game, and naturally, a good pass defense will shut down the run game because they don't want you to. They want you to be one sided, and that's how they become so good. But to what they did in the second half without Dalvin really showing up really solidified to me what Kirk is, and he's a guy that when he knows what's going on around him and has a nice game plan, and Stefanski is a huge credit to this. Yep, and that's another reason why I'm so afraid to lose him. I get what everyone's saying. I get about this defense, and they're sweet and they're nasty, and Zim's got one of the hottest defenses since Bill Parcells. I get that. But my thing is, this offense, the sky is the limit. Now, Dalvin's putting a limit a little bit on it, but man, if they go out this week and stick it to a Green Bay team, the the, the sky could be the limit for this offense. I mean, I think this is sort of the point, is that when you look at everything Cousins has around him, in one way, you say, I don't know how it's ever going to be this good again. I mean, right. I, suppo- I suppose it could be, but if Stefanski leaves, then you're going to have a tough time with having it be this good again. But when you go position by position, we saw the weapons and the guys step in for Adam Thielen and people oh. rising to the challenge like B.C. Johnson and Irv Smith. And Kyle Rudolph starts off so slow, but then throughout the season makes big play after big play in the red zone. And here's Diggs, who had a Pro Bowl caliber season, in my mind. Uh, one of the, I know you're a huge stats fan. But this is a real oddity here. So you'll even appreciate this one that he catches 70% of passes. 
that are thrown his way, but averages 18 yards a catch. And you would be hard-pressed to find that, even with someone like Julio Jones or Deshaun Jackson that is going down the field that often with that high of a catch percentage. just doesn't happen much. So you've got all these guys, all this talent around you. You've got the perfect system that was built for you. you got Gary freaking Kubiak here. And and that's why with Kirk, it it does become about the big games. It doesn't become about Denver or or about Los Angeles or, or whoever. It's only about the big games for him. And when you go out to Seattle and when you come back with a loss, when you had the ball down by four at the end of the game and you have to say, well, it wasn't Kirk's fault. That's where I kind of go, I, I get I get that. But, I mean, he's right. got everything to work with. And, and, yeah, sure, they lost Delvin, but Madison played great toward the end of that game. And he had everything on his plate there. Just go take care of it and end this narrative about you and these big games on the road and everything else. And he couldn't do it then, so it just continues to hang out there in the air. And and I always kind of go back and forth, Alex, on like quarterback wins and how much we should pin that on quarterbacks because it's kind of like LeBron, right? When you have the best player, he's going to win all the time, and you could put a lot of different things around him. Well, it's kind of like that with great quarterbacks, too, that really you you hold winning and loss losing in your hands more than any other position, and it's not even close. So we can put that on you right and i've always said that like that i i've always said that i'm not so sure you could pin a win or loss on somebody but when it's so glaring at times you're like dude listen everything's pointing back to one thing and i hate to do this to you but it's you like i don't know what else to tell you buddy and it's you have a chance to go win the game and you are the only guy other than the center that touches the ball as much as you do you control the outcome of that game and at times, people around him have failed, and it's kind of put a lot of pressure on him. At times, he's risen up, and at times, he's fallen down. And it's like, man, listen, if you really want to be considered one of these great elite quarterbacks, you have to be able to do it with nobody around you. Mm-hmm. You have to be yeah. able to do it on your own. I've seen guys do it, and you're like, how the hell did he do that? Is that even possible? <laughs> it is? Okay, I quit anyways. I'm, I'm leaving. You know, it's just Well, you played a bunch of great games with Russell Wilson, so you saw it up close and personal. And those weren't even great games. They smoked us, dude. Like one game was forty nine to seven. Like we were, we were getting trounced at halftime. Like, good God, is this? Can we just wave the white flag? Can we? No, okay. But you you see these great quarterbacks do it, and then you you look around and you're like, well, Kirk is a really, really, really good quarterback. Is he a great, great quarterback? I don't know. We're gonna find out soon enough because he's got a stretch of games coming up. Whether people are like, "Oh, the Bears suck," yeah. Well, guess what? You go play their defense and tell me how much they suck. Right, and they'll be tell playing. Me, right, they'll be playing hard. You, they'll be playing, dude. They hate Minnesota, and I don't even know why they hate Minnesota so much, but they just do. And so, yes, they're gonna be. They brought Akeem Hicks probably back for that one game. Like Akeem was like, "Listen, I want to play the Vikings." Game. They're probably like, All right. "I want to eat Kirk Cousins." As a matter of fact, I want to get a couple games in before to warm up. No problem, big dog. It's all you. Like you know what I'm saying? Like they're gonna be fired up. Green Bay is gonna be fired up and then you go into the playoffs with a rowdy nfc kirk you have all the tools around you right now to go out and shut everybody up and i hope he does i really do all right last thing that stood out to me from tco performance center today with the team doing their talking was mike zimmer on aaron Rodgers. starting our preparation for uh, green bay they're a really good football team um you know they don't turn the ball over they get turnovers they play good in the red zone on both sides of the ball um they don't commit penalties and so that's why they're winning football games. Plus, they got good players. Um, you know, Rodgers is still amazing, the things he can do with the football and his legs and his mind um, defensively. Give you a lot of different looks. Um, you know, they got some good edge rushers and uh, good corners and 
So it'll be a tough test for us. We'll need our fans out in full force this week. Now, I don't know why Zimmer didn't say Rodgers is washed and we're going to smoke him at U.S. Bank Stadium. Why do you think, though, Alex, that it is that Rodgers is just not the same guy inside U.S. Bank Stadium? I think that a lot of people are not the same guys inside U.S. Bank Stadium because it is so tough to play in there. The atmosphere is electric. You're playing against one of the most elite defenses at all times. I mean, when you talk about playing a defense like that, it comes down to who's going to make the least amount of mistakes. And by mistakes, I don't even mean errors. I mean, like, who is going to be in, like, half of a gap the wrong way so that we can take advantage of that? And credit the Vikings. They play extremely tough at home. And it's easy to play tough when you're encapsulated in a ship with 75,000 people screaming around you. Like, that is the most electric stadium you could be in. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for anybody to come in here. And not only that, but... Who the hell keeps talking about these games aren't important? Did I just read that somebody was like, this this Monday night game's not even that important? What? Uh, uh, Maybe just for playoff position? Uh, this game is extremely important. You want to be on the rise, and you're going to need every fan to be excited because you know what? If Aaron comes in here and lays it down on Monday night, dude... Vikings are going to have their way. So maybe you've been in this situation before where you're facing a team that you could face early in the playoffs toward the end of the season. I think you have, right? So uh, um, is anything different with the prep? I mean, are you like, "Mm, I don't know if we want to do that because we'll probably see them right there to start the playoffs because the Vikings do still have a decent shot to go to Lambeau against Green Bay. I don't think that there was ever a coach that was like, like they might go into the game. I know that there's been times, and you, mostly you see this in preseason. Like when you get to the end of the regular season, and they're like, "We might see this team in the playoffs." They're not like, "Hey, listen, guys, we're not going to pull out all the gadgets today. We're just going to give them seventy five percent of them." They're like, "Listen, we need to win this game because right. we got to get into the playoffs, and there's still a chance we could keep climbing this ladder." So no, they're not holding anything back. There's not going to be like a, "We wanted to go for it on fourth down, but we didn't." Like, listen, if you're going to do it. Do it now because you don't know what's going to happen, and you don't know beating that team could help you jump them, and then maybe they got to come back to your place instead of you going to their place. There's so much unwritten about the NFL right now with two weeks to go that it is so enamoring to be like, oh, my God, this could be incredible. Like Teams keep going from one to five, five to one, two to four, four to two. Like You're like, dude, this is incredible. You, yeah, don't, want to hold any- you don't want to hold anything back because if you could have home field for at least one week in the playoffs, you want that week okay last thing before we take a break does uh rogers scare you the same way he used to uh aaron Rodgers will always scare me i think it's does aaron jones scare me you know i feel like when he has a day this team looks way different when he's running around and having fun this offense looks completely different when it's when he's not Aaron kind of, to me, looks a little bit scattered, looks a little bit panicky. I mean, I go back to that Niners game where he just got raked over the coals, and then you think about all the times that he's come here, and you're like, dude, there's been times where he looks a little bit shaky, but if Aaron Jones can get the ball running, it it frees up so much pressure off of him. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and uh, we will debut the... Uh, what I'm calling the two-minute drill because it's just super like creative name, but I think you'll like it. We're gonna do our own little debate show, and there's Uh-oh. an interesting twist, kind of like we did the other day, but with a time limit. So we'll do that when we return. We got hot routes coming up at three. Judd Zolget, I think, is gonna pop in here, right? Is Judd around? See, I don't know. We used Judd way too Dude, much. We could do. We can do this <laughs> you and me. Let's just go, John. You in on this? Let's go, baby. Is he the judge? John's the judge, right? Uh, John yeah. Jonathan will be the judge, but it will so, it'll just be you and me for the competition. Then we got perfect. hot routes later. So oh, let's yeah. uh, take a break. We'll come back. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone. You listen to Purple Daily.
Daily on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. Jonathan here with the Score North download. A reminder, download the Score North mobile app and register for listening rewards. This month, one lucky app user will win a $200 Amazon.com gift card just for having and registering their mobile app. You'll also have a chance at many other great prizes just for listening. All you have to do, download the Score North mobile app, register the Score North mobile app, and enter through listening rewards or just listen at scorenorth.com. And you can enter for your chance to win a $200 Amazon.com gift card. Mike Zimmer speaking to the media today ahead of Monday night's big Packers-Vikings game. Zest, does he have an update on Dalvin Cook's injury? Here's what he said. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I have an update. He seems to be doing good. Awesome. Uh, Do you have an update on Alexander Madison? Yeah, he's doing better. He's got a good chance. Insightful today. Do you have anything on what it takes to play your best football in December? It's about, number one, hopefully you're healthy, right? So you got your good players playing. Number two, it's about execution, um, making sure that everybody's on the same page. I think the good teams, when they get going in this time of year, uh, they still harp on technique and fundamentals and hand placement and footwork and things like that, and that's what we've been trying to do. There you have it. That's been your Score North Download. Now back to Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone back here. And uh, on Tuesday, Courtney and Alex had a debate session about the different teams that the Vikings could potentially face the playoffs, why you'd want to face them, why you wouldn't want to face them. And I thought we should do this more often, but we should add a little twist to it. So I'm calling this the two-minute drill, where there are three topics, and each person, myself and Alex, has a total of two minutes to argue all three topics. So if you go over, you lose automatically. It's like you've run out of clock in the two-minute drill, and maybe you kneel down instead of spike the ball. Not that there's a quarterback who would have ever done that by accident. Nope, that didn't happen. Uh, So you have to manage your clock properly, and if anyone follows me on Twitter, they know I am a clock management guru. Um... Or more of just frustrated by coaches who have no idea how to do it. Shout out Jason Garrett and Andy Reid. So, three topics for today. Let's start out with our first. Let's kick in some NFL Films music. The first one is, are the Patriots still Super Bowl contenders? And in this one, I am going to argue that they are not. You, Alex, are going to argue that they are. So, Jonathan, do you have a clock ready? Yep, you have we're ready. two total minutes for all three topics, so manage your time wisely to make your case, Alex, that the New England Patriots are still Super Bowl contenders. Go. Okay, number one, I'm going to tell you that they have the number one ranked defense in the NFL, and the guy running that defense is Bill Belichick, and not only more importantly, but his son Steve Belichick with the greatest mullet that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> that dude knows what he's doing. I should get extra time for that. But listen, that's not the problem. The problem becomes the offense. And I get what everyone's saying. Tommy's washed. Tommy's washed. Listen, I'm not a stats guy. Tom Brady has 23 NFL records in the playoffs. 23 NFL records, including the most touchdown passes, most passing yards, most games played. Hmm. 
that one seems the most important to me. The most games played in the playoffs. And not only that, but I think he has the best record of like 30 and 10 in the playoffs. So to him, the playoffs are just another game. You're talking about regular. Oh, he's washed. He's washed. He's just walked his team into the playoffs at having one of the worst offenses. And not only that, that's where he does his best work is in the playoffs. And so does Bill Belichick. So listen. Whether they're on the road, whether they're at home, you know you're going to get a team that's like, listen, this is, this is just a noon game, right? We're good at noon. We'll, we'll play it at noon. We don't need it to be at night. This is just another day for us at the park. We're trying to get to the big dance at the end. So, yeah, I think that that would probably be one of the last teams that you would want to play in the playoffs due to you know, the veterans on the team, their experience in the playoffs, and the, who their head coach is. Did he make it in two minutes? minutes? That was, uh, you have 41 seconds left. I don't even need two minutes to tell you how great Tom Brady is. I just did. (laughs) Okay. You just have to stay under two minutes. That's what you have to do. Two minutes or less, two-minute drill. Okay. I'm going to argue now that the Patriots are not still contenders. Let me throw up a key stat here. Tom Brady. Thomas J. Brady. No idea what the middle name is. 86.5 quarterback rating. That is behind the likes of Kyler Murray, Jacoby Brissett, Gardner Minshew, Carson Wentz with no receivers. Derek Carr is way better in terms of quarterback rating than Tom Brady. And I know quarterback rating isn't everything, but here's the issue that Tom Brady has with this Patriots team. He has no wide receivers. And guess what? There's this six foot six tight end who made the NFL 100 list who kind of helped Mr. Brady into his later years all the time. Gronk. Just throw it up to Gronk. He'll bring it in. He'll run over six guys. You get a touchdown. Tom Brady's a genius, right? How about that AFC championship game? Driving down, trying to get the game-winning score. And who does he look to? Rob Gronkowski. Well, guess what? Rob Gronkowski isn't here anymore. Yes, they do have the number one defense. But guess what they can't do now? They can't film the other team's sideline now. Because they're going to get caught again if they try it. So Belichick's defense... A little more vulnerable. Plus, they've been playing that AFC East schedule, which, I mean, woof, right? Like, they faced a lot of bad quarterbacks. When they get to the playoffs, Patrick Mahomes is there. There's going to be a lot of good quarterbacks to face. I just don't think they're going to be able to do it without their own good quarterback play. And when they get a little bit exposed by some of the great quarterbacks, just like Deshaun Watson did when they played Houston. Did I make it in time? You had 27 seconds. Okay. Yes, you did. Jonathan? Make your ruling. Oh, Who man, had the this better is a case? tough one. I mean, Boone started off with mentioning the greatest mullet of all time. Outside of Mike Gundy down in Oklahoma State, who's got just mm. a luscious mullet down there. Mm. Mm. But the whole film... Steve Belichick's mullet is unreal. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It's unreal. It's incredible. And he answers questions like, is that, yeah, yeah. sure, mm-hmm. uh, I guess so. Linebackers are going to try their hardest. I'm going to give Caller the win here. Sorry, Boone. God! Tom Brady's not having the best of seasons. Now, granted, he didn't need to have the best of games in the Super Bowl last year because their defense just came through. But Thank you. the whole not being able to film the other team thing is probably going to hurt oh. a little bit more than most people would imagine. You are cruel for that, but that is so... <laughs> like, Dude, I just want everybody to acknowledge the balls on Bill Belichick to be like, listen, go do it in front of everybody because then they're going to think it wasn't us. <laughs> like, how smart was that? You have to think like Bill, guys. Stop thinking like your fans and start thinking like, if I was the greatest ever, how would I do this? Well, I would do it and then blame it on you. Yeah, the, the great part, too, about the video that leaked is just how dumb the guys sound. You're like, yeah. th- these are the two 
geniuses that you sent to tape the sideline. Congratulations. Oh, yeah. All right, we continue in the two-minute drill. We have two minutes or less to answer each question. Um, our next topic, of all the potential jobs that could be open this offseason, Jacksonville's is the worst. I'm going to argue that it's the worst. You are going to argue that it isn't the worst. I will yes. start on this one. Um, you just had to fire Tom Coughlin, all-time legend, because <laughs> he couldn't stop finding people for stupid stuff. He fined Leonard Fournette for sitting on the bench when he wasn't playing. I mean, is this like college where they tried to get Ed Oliver not to wear a jacket when it was cold out on the sideline? I mean, what is this? Tom Coughlin throwing it back to 1986 with the way he's handling players. Now, he's going to be gone, but here's the biggest issue. You do not have a quarterback. Gardner Minshew has looked okay at times, really bad at times. Strikes me more of a journeyman backup type. And Nick Foles, outside of the great moment that he had in the Super Bowl, but outside of that, a pretty darn mediocre quarterback plus he's under contract for a lot of money so do you want to go down there to an organization that is looked like a mess for quite some time now especially since they were in the nfc championship it's been all downhill from there with a quarterback locked in who you can't have him carry you anywhere and now the nflpa says don't sign with you so good luck getting all those free agents to make your life better jacksonville i'm gonna have to pass did i get in under two minutes yes you did okay Alex, you have to argue that it's not the worst place. Not even go. close. Dude, they just fired him. They got rid of the guy causing all the problems. I'm going to tell you a couple places that are worse. Number one, Washington. You know why? Because the owner. The owner's bad. Bruce Allen's bad. They're all bad. And not only that, but you got a quarterback that you just took in the first round last year that might not be the quarterback that you really want to take into the future with you. Now, I get the Urban Meyer thing. I don't believe that for a minute. I don't think Urban would be a good fit in the pros because when you're a college coach, you can't be a good pro coach. Because pros don't care. Dude, I don't need to go to study hall. I don't want to go to class. I'm going to go home and be a dad now. Leave me alone. But even another place to think about, what about Cleveland? Talk about the dumpster fire dysfunctional city right now. They are so pissed. Wow, look at you. To dude, do I'm anything to win this two-minute drill. Dude, I'm pissed. Let me tell you why. You're going to have to go there, right? And you got to deal with John Dorsey, and you got to deal with Jimmy Haslam and his wife. Like, she's in there making decisions with you. And you're going to be the head coach. Like, listen, guys, I'm the only one that actually knows what's going on. Why don't you just sit back and be like, no, dude, it's my team. You see it every year with these guys. Ownership always jumps in the way. Here's another one. Dallas. Dude, if you take that job and you don't win the Super Bowl within year one, you might get fired. That guy is pressing right now to win a Super Bowl. The pressure of taking that job alone. And then think about it. One of the things that you always want to do is be able to bounce ideas off a lot of people, right? Never be the smartest guy in any room. Well, imagine having to report to your GM and your owner and it's the same guy and be like, listen, I need you to take that hat off and put this one on now, right? Like, we need to do this. No. I'll go ask the GM. Oh, wait, you are the GM. Okay, so I am pretty much anything you say goes. I have no control, and I have to run this the way you want me to run it. Okay, so that would be a dream job for anybody. You're right. Whatever he wants to do, we'll do. All right. Jonathan, you're ruling. Who made the better case? Boone, did you just try and argue that Dallas was a worse job than Jacksonville? He Maybe. just included it. Included it in the fact that you might have I to. I don't know. I'm going to have to give this one to You're playing the owner and the GM. One. Uh, no, that I one s- kind of ruined your whole argument there. I'm sorry, He buddy. was doing pretty well with the Dan yeah. Snyder bit, though. Yeah. That was smart, going after Dan Snyder in Washington. Oh, but I had you, to. I can't stand him. But then you included him. the Cowboys, which. I don't think you guys understand you how hard that is. offensive coach in there. Wait, wait, wait. Who Who's hiring people? Jerry Jones yeah, is. You're not hiring fine. people. 
It, that's the problem. You're the guy. Like, listen, I want these guys. He's gonna be like, listen, it's I don't not like worse that than Jacksonville, though. No. It's just, it's just not. No, it's not. I'm not get, saying you get it's worse than quarterback and lots Washington of is worse than Jacksonville. Yes, for Washington sure. is worse than if Jacksonville. You, Absolutely. If you had left it at Washington and Cleveland, then I'm leaving it won. at Washington. I'm leaving it strictly <laughs> at Washington. Hey, you don't have to use all two minutes. Like, you can go down and score. You don't have to worry about the clock. Um, well, all right, so. I guess I guess you're going to give that one to me because he yep. botched it. But yep. ah, still, sorry, you started out really well and should have just yeah. said Washington. I'm done. Uh, all <laughs> right, all you need to say just one word and you're done. For our third topic, even though I have taken the victory here, two out of three. Uh, if you had to pick Aaron Rodgers or Kirk Cousins to win win a Week 17 win and in game, which would you take? I'm going to argue for Cousins. Alex is going to argue for Wash D. McWasherson, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> You have two minutes. Alex, argue for your boy, Aaron Rodgers. I already lost, so I'm taking Kirk. Let's go, baby. Let's do it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, listen, Aaron Rodgers, he's in one of these guys. You give him the ball, and yeah, I get it. Like There's times he looks really scattered and out of control, but you talk about a guy that throws the Hail Mary better than anybody. You give him more than 10 seconds, and it could be trouble for you. He can still do it on the field. At times, yeah, he looks scared, but man, no. That guy with the ball at any amount of time, no timeouts, doesn't matter. Put five guys in front of him. They don't even have to block for him. He'll just run around a whole bunch and throw that ball up there, and he can still put the ball where he needs to. Come on, let's not – he's not that Washington. He's still kind of leading the <laughs> NFC North right now. Like, we can't say that about the guy leading the North. Like, uh, guys, you know, he's still kind of the dude. So, I mean, he's still a great player, but I think, you know – Personally, a lot of it rides with the with the run game, but I mean, there's no there's no question he can still put the ball where it needs to be. All right, I'm going to make this case, even though it's a hard one to make, since Kirk Cousins' Week 17 career has not been super impressive. But that's small sample size, friends. And Gary wasn't around <laughs> when that happened, and Delvin wasn't around, and Diggs wasn't, and Thielen wasn't. This is a Kirk Cousins who has had several opportunities this year to completely fall apart. And aside from some losses, which you will lose games sometimes, Drew Brees lost 48-46, to and then he lost to Atlanta earlier this year. Sometimes bad things happen. Um, but this is a more confident Kirk Cousins. This is a guy who seems to be playing with a little bit more edge and a little bit more uh, DGAF, if you are on the Internet. You know what that means? Um Right, like he just, just a little more looseness to Kirk Cousins and the fact that they can design ways for him to have time to throw the ball. Anytime he has time to throw the ball, he is golden, and that's why he's put up numbers that are just way better than Aaron Rodgers. So if you lean on the numbers, Kirk Cousins is your better quarterback. I'm going to say take him Week 17 over Wash D J Washerson. Wait, Kama, what was W? What would you just say? That was D G A F, and don't try just to type it into say it. Urban just, Dictionary. Yeah, don't they, say it on air, please. Don't oh, give. I don't want to have to dump. Okay, I don't, the, I'm not on the internet. I have no idea. Yeah, what that's probably for the best. I'll tell uh, you off air. All right, that's Jonathan. Uh, Boone's winning this one. I mean, you can spout your stats all you want about Kirk Cousins all this right. season, but dude, I was up against Aaron Rodgers has the history of being able to put the ball wherever he needs to in limited amount of time. I'm going to give this one to yeah. All right. Well, that is the two-minute drill, and I hope we could do this all the time where we I take some it. topics and then fun. we see if we can make the case. Uh, Seriously, though, question. Yeah. Had I not brought up Dallas, would you I have won. won today? Yes. God, yes, I really, won. I really, I'm so mad at myself yeah, right Alex, now. Dallas you just killed you. All you I had to say was Washington. That's all you had to say was, look at Washington, they're worse than Jacksonville. 
Washington has a young quarterback who might not be good. They have <laughs> no, the, mo- the, the yeah. most reckless and bizarre owner in sports. They literally misdiagnosed the guy's cancer. That's, you oh, could have just gone there. You yeah. could have been like, that's yeah. worse than fines. You almost killed Trent Williams. I wanted to. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that, I ruined it's, it's your guys. first go at the two-minute drill. But I, en- I enjoyed that. that. Uh, let's talk about the Packers defense. Now, I remember, Alex, you were driven absolutely crazy in week two by how effective the Packers were at just running guys upfield, lining them up at the old nine technique way oh, out boy. there, sending them straight upfield and messing with the Vikings bootleg game. Well, the Vikings know that they're going to do that now. What's the what's ghost the em. what's the adjustment? You ghost them. You're going to ghost them all day. Ghost, cast promotions, everything. I mean, listen, if you're just going to continue to not fear something, we're going to make you fear. And that's when all of a sudden these sweeps come in and these jet sweeps and then these reverses. And that's when you start playing with defense events. And then not only that, but we love, love watching Dalvin on the outside. So why not get a couple people in there, maybe in like a, like a cross motion to come back and crack a defensive end, throw a few Y hiders in there to cut a few guys? They'd just be like, listen, guys. We want the defensive end on the ground every single time we run this wide hide. Got it? Got it. Good. We are great. Those dudes are going to get chopped down like cherry trees, baby. Let's go. <laughs> uh, now, if you're the Packers, though, there's going to be an Ooh. adjustment. I mean, they know that you know that they know that yeah. you can run somebody upfield on the bootlegs at Kirk, but Kirk doesn't necessarily need bootlegs to have effective play action. He's had successful straight drop back play action. Um, last week at the goal line, I loved the play that they ran, and it was great to watch on tape. They did a fake pitch. So they had C.J. Ham looking like he was a lead blocker, and here's Dalvin Cook at out of an eye formation fake pitch. And guy, a guy on the other side of the field started running at Delvin. And then Irv Smith is one-on-one and, and he makes the play. I mean, they have been so creative with their play-action game that I think if they counter by saying, you know what, we're just not going to boot him out like that, that they right. can still be very successful. Absolutely. And it was one of the things that Terrence, I'm not sure if anybody caught that, but Terrence was talking about this when we brought him on, Terrence Newman. And he was saying, dude, play action. From when I came in the league, play action was a simple waggle. And that's what you guys see. Like everyone's just booting out. Now it's, dude, we can run play action off our power, off our counter, off our trap, off our zone, off our cutoff zone. We can run RPOs. Like these guys are so awesome to watch that and there's only a few ocs that are really doing this like the kyle shanahan's the stefanski's the guys that look at their offense and they don't just go well we're gonna run simple waggles and a couple boots this week they're like hey listen we've been killing people with this counterplay what if we run dancer off of this counterplay there's our 80 yard home run right there because everyone's gonna suck up because what's the one thing they don't want to get beat what what last team got beat on? Because then you look like a bunch of idiots. Like, hey, listen, <laughs> yeah. the team before you just got killed on counter. If you don't practice counter all week, you're an idiot. Yeah, offensive coordinator's like, well, we're gonna start throwing passes off a of counter now, and it's it's that is when you start taking a defensive strength and you make them the biggest weakness, and because the, they don't know, then all of a sudden everyone's playing really defensive, and is this really a run? I'm not sure. Then you're getting crushed on the counter, and you're like, okay, we don't even know anymore. We're just guessing. So to your point, I looked closely at the opening script that the Vikings used for last week, and they were using a lot of the jet motions and you know reverses to play off of those. So oh, yeah. on the first drive, they handed off to two receivers. They had B.C. Johnson go one way, Stephon Diggs go the other, and on both plays, even though they weren't hugely successful, 
successful. The Chargers linebackers and their safety in the box kind of stood there like, are you really going to give it to that guy? Oh, I guess you are. But then on the second drive, they ran a jet motion and a fake handoff to Adam Thielen, and the outside linebacker jumped at it. Like, oh, I'm going to go get him. And then he was out of position. It took that guy, I think, or it might have been the safety. It took the safety right out of the box, and then it right. was a seven on seven, seven blockers on seven defenders, and they get a six yard gain on the ground. And the, the little use of those details by Gary Kubiak and Kevin Stefanski, I think, have really made this offense. And the opening scripts have been evidence of that, that it seems like almost every one of these games that they're opening up seven nothing. Absolutely. And that's, talk about a, hey, how are we going to start this game? With the lead, baby. That's how you start any game. But you talk about these guys, and a lot of times you think that, like, oh, they're running a Casper motion or they're running a sweep or a fake sweep. Sometimes that's a lot of times to see what's the defense going to do when we do this in the third quarter. They're like, it's like they're pre-planning it, and that's how. Because I remember when Greg Roman used to talk, he'd be like, "Listen, I want to see what these guys do with the Casper motion in the first, and then in the second. Because if they don't continue to th- do what we think they're going to do, then we're going to start running reverses more. And then it's always to set up the next thing, or it's the, hey, listen, here comes Thielen running across really fast. Like, how many eyes are going to be on Thielen and not on Dalvin? You know what I'm saying? Like, it just for a split second, it holds the linebackers. And sometimes, this was the greatest, is when guys would do it to help the O-line. Because sometimes when you have that Casper motion or that quick fake sweep, the linebackers don't move. And the D-linemen do. And so it opens up a quick window for the guards to climb. And that's when you get a lot of your cutbacks. That was always a fun one. Because they would, or they would kind of take a few steps, and then they'd stop, and you'd just crank on them. And they'd be like, dude, what? What an idiot I am. I'd be like, yeah, you are. You're an idiot for thinking that we were going to give it to him. That's our tight end. Now, uh, can you explain? We've got hot routes coming up in a few minutes here, but I want you just to explain Kenny Clark because this last game against the Packers, I watched the film back, and Kenny Clark just annihilated the interior of the Vikings' offensive line. Now, they're going to have Pat Elfline in the game as opposed to Dakota Dozier, who was in for the last one. But Garrett Bradbury got picked up and thrown back into Kirk Cousins on a number of occasions. And if you're talking about how these teams match up and who has advantages in certain areas, as we enjoy doing, Alex, Kenny Clark alone is the biggest advantage. Like that one-on-one battle, he is so much more powerful than Garrett Bradbury. But also we get to see how much Garrett Bradbury has grown from week two. Which is going to be huge. And and. You know, I don't expect him to get picked up off the ground and anything like that, but when you're looking at matchups, like the outside, the tackles, it's not much of a matchup. Like week two, I was more like, man, this is a matchup. But now I feel like the tackles for the Vikings have been holding their own. So it's kind of like, listen, now we're going to look to the interior, and that's where disruptions can really happen. Because when something goes wrong in the middle – quarterback doesn't have a lot of time to get the hell out of the way so that's why they try to solidify the middle as much as possible but you're right Kenny Clark is one of those dudes that when you go out there you better treat him like he's the predator like you got to go out and punch him as hard as you can do not let those guys get started because he's a big talker he's one of those guys who wants to get chirping early you go in there and give him a bloody nose he's going to be like listen dude maybe I'm not about this life maybe I don't want to do this today we could still win the division and we could all just walk out of here with uh you know being healthy so if you go in this game be ready to go first play. Yeah, and the, the growth of the interior of the offensive line, um, you were on offensive lines that played together a lot, and you were on offensive lines that shuffled around and had different right. guys playing next to you all the time. The continuity overall, since early in the season, you know, Klein missed some time, and 
And Elfline missed a little time. But for the most part, these guys have played most snaps together, which during my time covering the team has been a rarity. It's usually, wait, who's playing left guard now? Wait, Rashad Hill is in. Our buddy Jeremiah Searles. What's he doing out there? Um, This offensive line staying together, I think for a rookie and a guy playing a new position and another guy who just signed here, I think it's been huge to have them be healthy this long. Agreed. And I think that right now when you're looking at these guys, Josh Klein's a pro. Garrett Bradbury's growing as a rookie. Elfline, to me, is still the question mark. You know, you look at this last game against the Chargers, and I'm not sure how well anybody really broke it down, but they attacked Elfline a lot. And not only that, they went for that B-gap and that A-gap on the left side. So they were trying to get Bradbury in there, too, a little bit. Like... If you look, they brought Ingram up and put him over Elfline a lot. And a lot of it was twisting and trying to get them on different levels. And that's what the question mark's going to be going forward. When a defense looks at this offensive line, they're not going to be like, hey, let's go after Brian (laughs) O'Neill. They're not idiots. They know who the good players are. They're going to be like, listen, let's go after this left guard in the center a little bit. Let's go in there and twist him a little bit. Let's get him on different levels. Let's 5-0 him. Yeah, they've shut it down, and I think a lot of that goes to credit to Stefanski. Hey, listen. You have to be here at this time because this ball has to get out quick. Got it? This ball gets catched and released. And I, it, defenses go nuts with that because you can't defend against that. Mm-hmm. So they're like, dude, what can we do? Should we drop eight? Should we try and blitz the hell out of him? Well, I don't know. He's just going to catch it and throw it, coach. What do you think? Like, There's so many ways you can try and defend it, but there's really only one way to stop it, and you, you have to go out and do it. So people are going to try and give Elfline as much as they can, but Stefanski's smart enough to know, hey, listen, at times this ball has to get out, and we got to do what we got to do, so credit them. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we got hot routes. Judd Zolged, he heard there were hot routes and is banging at the door right now to get in. So some questions, and one related to the Vikings, uh, but also some others from around the league from today. So we'll do that when we return. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone here on a Thursday on Purple Daily. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. Caller has questions. Blue 58! Blue 58! Go! And he wants your answers. Street! Red, red, red! Red Polly! Blue Poncho! In rapid fire fashion. Gun flex right stack. 394 Dragon Smoke. It's Hot Rods on Purple Daily. 980! Oh, it is that time again here on Purple Daily. Matthew Collar, Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad, Jonathan producing as always. And we have routes, and they are hot. So let's ramp us up some more NFL Films music, as if we couldn't just do the whole show with it behind us anyway. And let us get right into it. What's up, Judd? How you doing? Not much. You doing okay. What's yeah, up, Bernie? Not to say hello, Judd. You can't come out here and not say hello right away. Dude. No, I was just waiting. I was waiting no. for my. You know, I'm very patient. Come before you say, Judd. All right, here we I go. I like to hear that. Oh yeah. Bring it on. Frank our, Gore's guy right here. Our friend. <laughs> That's right. That's right. He's still pumped about that. Are you uh, kidding me? I come to a wall right now, dude. I'm ready to roll. Let's do it. All right. Our first question: Delvin Cook probably out. <laughs> Not sure about Alexander Madison's status, but he didn't practice today, so that's not great. Opens the door for Mike Boone to become one of those legendary pop-up players 
who comes out of nowhere and then all of a sudden has a huge game and everyone goes, what, who is Mike Boone? He's got 158 yards and three touchdowns. Well, he's got that possibility. I want you guys to give me your favorite instance of a totally random player who didn't even have a great career but just had one memorable, outrageously fun day for that random guy. You want to start, Judd? I certainly will, and I will go in the way back machine, but Vikings fans will remember this well. 1993, Ohio State had a running back who played for the New York Jets in 92 by the name of Scotty Graham. Scotty Graham washed out after one year with the Jets and being a very smart guy, went back to school and got his uh, pharmaceutical degree. Was working in a pharmacy when injuries beset the Vikings' backfield, and so they signed him. In a two-game stretch, Scotty Graham rushed for 166 yards against the Chiefs, and then 139 yards, and I believe a Jim McMahon-started game for the Vikings against the Green Bay Packers. Now, he played with the Vikings until 96, but never was the same, of course. But that two-game stretch against the Chiefs and Packers made Scotty Graham, for about a month or so, a household name among Vikings fans before he went back into the world of pharmaceuticals. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way, no, not a bad amazing. way. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds really bad. Not the unfortunate yeah, Josh. Bad, not the it? Josh Gordon kind. He was behind the wow. ph- He was behind the pharmacy <laughs> counter serving up the drugs that people need to live. How about there that? You go. There good you go. for him. Uh Alex? All right, so listen, I'm going to take it one step further because I'm still pumped about Frank coming on. And I'm going to talk about a running back from Cleveland that you probably don't even remember. A guy by the name of Peyton Hillis. Oh, yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. Anybody remember? remember I'm a dude, Madden He player. was my favorite player. <laughs> like For a whole year, Cleveland was like, dude, who is this guy? We love him. Just keep him. Never. Did he show up again on the nope. stat sheet? Who the hell was Peyton Hillis? All these young kids are like, who is that? Dude, he was on the Madden cover at yep. one point. You remember that? And then, he, and then he got mad he wasn't getting paid enough. Yes! And Cleveland said, go away. Oh. And then I think he played with Kansas City for a half a season and quit. Ruined my life. Peyton Hillis. I remember him well. Yeah. Way, that's way a, to be a Cleveland Browns fan, guys. That is a great one. That's a great <laughs> pop-up one. Damn it. Jonathan? I'm going to stick with running backs here. I'm going to go back to a Sunday night football game back in 2014. Jonas Gray for the New England oh, Patriots. Oh, yeah, that's a great one. Ran for 200 yards and four touchdowns in just his fourth game. You know what he did afterwards? He was late to a meeting for Bill Belichick, oh. got in the doghouse, and was promptly, promptly cut the next year. And he only carried the ball 45 more times after that in the NFL and was in the most recent XFL draft and wasn't selected. Wow. Was also randomly once in 2016 in the Vikings locker room for a tryout. (laughs) And another reporter and I were trying to figure out who he was. So we were scrolling through, like, does does that look like a cornerback or a running back to you? (laughs) Let's let's scroll through the free agent list. And then eventually someone just went up and said hello. (laughs) And then we figured out it was Jonas Gray. Like, dude, you're that guy from that game. Uh, I'm going to go with 2012, January 1st. The new year of 2012 was welcomed in by one of the great quarterback performances possibly in the history of our here game by Matt Flynn. He went 31 Ooh. for 44, 480 yards. I remember it well. Got him paid. Six touchdowns. Six yes. touchdowns. Uh, he was incredible. In a 45-41 to 41 win over the Detroit yeah, Lions. Yeah, there's the key thing. Yep, yeah. that was it. <laughs> that was it. And so after that, that was in 2012. 
After that, Matt Flynn was signed by Seattle. He started a total of five games the rest of his career through eight touchdowns, six picks, and does not presently have a job and has not since 2014. That was back with Bay, right? gotten into a game. He yeah. didn't even start the first game that year that he signed that huge contract. Yep. So Wilson yep. started. He beat him out in four weeks, dude. You have to really ruin it to lose the starting spot. That, But I'll tell you what. Credit Seattle because yep. they could have just cut Russell Wilson and been like, listen, we paid this dude a lot of money. Yeah. They were like, nah, dude. Yep. This dude's that good. But I don't feel bad for Matt because he got paid. But, dude, talk about a career that was like, I wow. Gotta, I'm going to see Who if I gets fooled, though, him. by a performance against the Lions in I Week mean, 17? It, it's hard, dude, when you don't have anything and you're like, dude, this guy just put up some really big numbers. You'd be like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's really funny looking at, you know, um, Pro Football Reference get? has the transactions page, and <laughs> it's just amazing. Like, Matt Flynn, after 2012, after he was uh, let go, then after 2012, he signed with the Raiders, the Bills, back with the Packers, with New England, with the Jets, with the Saints, and it never worked out for him again to get on the field. So good for you, Matt Flynn. Though. I'm going to see you. if I can figure out how much money he made. I'm going to look at it right now. All right. I'm Googling I... it as we speak. Yeah, as we well. all are like, dude, with this guy yeah, cool, amazing. You get this first. Hey, how much money thief. did he make? True paper thief right there. But bro. you know, you got to respect it, though. If you could find a way to get your money. $26 million dollar contract, it oh, says here. $26 million. Over three years, wow. is that right? Let's see if I can find his career earnings. I don't know if it's on here. Anyway, good good for you, Matt Flynn. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. All right. uh, Mitch Trubisky said that he's aware of the comparisons to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Holmes because they were drafted the same year. And, of course, the Bears hilariously passed on Watson and Mahomes, even though it was incredibly obvious they were better. And uh, he knows those are never going to end. Agreed, Mitch. Um, Tell me who the quarterback in the draft or let's say a Matt Flynn type that somebody signed, who you were the most wrong about. Somebody who you were jacked up about this guy. He's going to be great. Can't wait to see him in the NFL or can't wait to see him with his new team. And just, he Trubisky'd. You want me to go first? Go ahead, Jeff. I'm going to give you one. I'm going to give you a draft pick and a guy who was signed. The draft pick... And year one here was great, and I thought this guy is going to redefine the game to a certain degree, but certainly have a great career. And his rookie year, he beat the Vikings, RG3. Yeah, Robert yep. Griffin looks so damn good, but the guy I was wrong about, and the guy Vikings fans thought, oh, he got away from us, and now he's going to a division rival, and this is going to be, we're going to have hell to pay the former Dolphin, Scotty Mitchell. Scotty Mitchell Scotty was Mitchell. in Winter Park. About to sign and said, guys, I got to do one more thing. And they said, what's that, Scotty? And Scotty said, I promised Detroit I'd check him out. And they said, okay, but come back to us. And he never did. Scott Mitchell is the Kyle Gibson of quarterbacks. Like he just constantly had this pouty look on his face. Every time he get hit, it was just like, <laughs> how could you guys let me get hit? Good how reason. dare you? And he had that one amazing season where they were using three receivers and defenses then were like, why are there so many receivers out here? We don't know what to do. And then after that, it was just a mess. Good, so those, good pick. Those are my two. Good pick, Sorry. Alex. Can I can I say that any quarterback from USC other than Carson Palmer? Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> yeah, if you believe because, in them, sure. N- no, I didn't. Listen, I've never really believed in a quarterback. Well, this is never, supposed to be the quarterbacks you were wrong about. Now, that's the thing is, like, I've never really been like, wow, that guy really impresses me. Like, the, young quarterbacks, I. I 
I was with Mark Sanchez, and he was about the like nicest guy, like could throw the best. And he was one of the guys that I was like, man, that guy's gonna have a great career. So he would be the one guy for me, especially because we were in the same draft, we were represented by the same agent. There you go. Like, it's a good pick. I knew him really well, and I was like, man, this guy is really an awesome dude. And then I'd see him throw, and I'd be like, man, this guy, is, he's, he's pretty good. Like, he's a great guy. He's got the face. He, you know, he's got the complexion. He knows what he's doing. He's got the he's, face. He's good looking. <laughs> good looking. Good looking dude, he guy. was good looking. But yeah. you never saw the dude, butt coming. No, you never he, saw the butt fumble coming. He talked to you, too. You could always tell he was, like, kind of putting on this other thing. Like, he was always super proper, and you were like, dude, slow down. We're just eating subs. Like, <laughs> He'd be like, well, well, guys, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. He'd be like, dude, stop. But when he hit him and Tim Tebow, everybody thought Tim Tebow was going to be like, oh, he's going to be the guy. Dude, he was bad. Not bad. Not the guy. You have to My be able God. to throw the thing. My That's God. a problem. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. All right, Jonathan, who were you wrongest about? Uh, I was, I'm going to say Jake Locker. Everybody thought coming out of college, oh man, God. this guy's going to be great. Yes. He's got the toughness. He can get through injuries. And then you look at his college stats, you really look at what mainly his completion percentage, a 54 completion percentage in the Pac-10 at the time. Accuracy, yes. Yeah, yeah. accuracy was oh. an issue, and it just didn't work out in Tennessee. I'm going to go with uh, another Tennessee issue quarterback that uh, didn't work out. It was Marcus Mariota. That even until this year, I was hanging on to, man, you know, maybe like he's a winner, I think, or something. Uh, I loved watching him play at Oregon, like a guy who was very accurate and a good athlete, but it just has always seemed like the game has been moving a little too fast for him, and he just makes a ton of mistakes. He has his good moments. He had way too many bad moments. And Ryan Tannehill takes over that team and has just been spectacular because they have a really, really good team there. So wrong about Marcus Mariota, wrong about Johnny Manziel, who I really loved watching play in college but did not know about the cocaine. I was going to say, if he could have controlled himself off the field. How did you field? guys not know about that? He was like that his whole career. Like It was yeah. all about the yeah. show. Like, listen, yeah. dude, you can't tell me you didn't see that. You know here's, here's one. Let- Brock Osweiler. Tell me that dude didn't fool all of us. Yeah, with the big arm. Well, especially when he beat New England Bro. in the game that he filled Including in. Including the Texans. The- yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. They signed that stupid contract. I have never Ooh. seen someone look so scared as Brock Osweiler here at yeah. U.S. Bank Stadium against the Vikings oh, defense. Yeah. He was terrified. And Tom Johnson, after that game, was like, yeah, he wasn't even looking downfield. He was just staring at us. <laughs> like, You're the best, Tom. Love Tom. And I'll give you one that I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I might end up being wrong about this, which was Josh Rosen. I liked a lot about Josh Rosen at UCLA, and he's accurate, very, very smart. I love when I hear that a guy is like a multi-sport athlete, that he was great at tennis and, and other things, and he's been dropped into the worst situations ever, and I don't know if he's ever going to get out of it, because even when he's had chances to start, he's played so poorly that they're like, uh, we'd rather have Fitzpatrick because you might die out there. <laughs> Um, so I might end up being very wrong about Josh Rosen. Did like him coming out of the draft. All right, the next question. The uh, Lions wrote a letter to their fans, open letter, if you will, uh, about their expectations to make the playoffs next year. Good for you, Lions. Good for you. That's a smart idea. Keep your coach. Keep Matt Patricia and that. 2-0 Vikings against the Lions next year. Write that mm. one down. Here we go. I want you guys to give me the team that's out of the playoffs now. That you would bet a thousand bucks, and Alex, to some of us, that's a lot of money uh, on making the <laughs> making the postseason next year. That is not going to make it this year. Alex, you want to start? Tampa Bay. I, I, there's something about this Tampa Bay team, and I think they're going to try and franchise Jameis. They're going to try and keep him around because everybody's kind of like, yeah, I think dude, he's right, dude. Listen, I think listen. he's right. I think they're going to listen keep to him. what I'm saying. 
There was a stretch where he threw 13 interceptions. I know. I saw it too. But that's a B.A. offense. It's a, hey, let's just chuck it up the field at times and let's just see if they're ready as much as we're ready. And so, but, dude, you talk to their fans, and they are like, dude, we're about Jameis Winston. B.A. is going to bring him down next year. They're going to help out. He just put up 900 yards in two games. That's incredible. And I think if they had a guy who was half as reckless and half as dumb uh, or smarter, I mean, uh, twice as smart, that they would would win a lot of games. That roster is excellent. He'll sabotage it next year. Dude, you know who would be good there? Teddy Bruce. I was thinking Teddy. I've already said that. Teddy going down there with B.A. would be like nuclear. I was also thinking Nick Foles, possibly, if they move on from him. That that he could actually be there. I like Teddy. Teddy's a great idea. Stop the Nick. No, no, no. We want Teddy there. Teddy throwing I'm the ball downfield the makes me excited. Like, that will, could be devastating to people. They will oh. not be a playoff team in 2020 if Jameis Winston's starting. They should be, but they won't be. I think he's a classic 500 quarterback who just throws way too many picks to ever Teddy, win. Teddy, that's a crowd. Um, Love that one. I know, that is, I do. I but do. That's, a, that's a good pick. Uh, did, did you answer this yet? I did not. Okay, same, go ahead. Same uh, division, new coach I'm pretty convinced of, although I'm not sure, but uh, Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons, Ooh. there's no reason why they shouldn't be. Yeah. I could see it. I don't know how they ended up so bad, but they did. They've shown spurts at times during the course of this year where they've looked better, but this should be a playoff team in 2020. Jonathan? That was my original pick. My backup was going to be the Colts. You just, like, you start off the season with your franchise quarterback retiring, it's going to throw everything off, no matter how good your coach is, no matter how good the rest of the team is. It's just going to throw everything Mm -hmm. off. They go into next season without their franchise quarterback retiring. They're going to be a lot better. Hmm, now, that makes me think that we've talked about who could have new quarterbacks quite a bit, and Indianapolis never comes up. If you're Teddy, though, Indy's not a bad place to go. Is Brissett not the guy? They just paid they, Yeah, they yeah. just they paid just him. Paid but, him two years. Right. Like $40 but, million. but, I mean, it's, it's, it's like the Case Keenum deal in Denver. Is that really a deal that you're locked into a long time? It's probably not. I don't I mind don't, Brissett that much. I don't think they, they mind Brissett that much. I think mm. that they see Jacoby as taking a step forward. You know, like losing Andrew was huge, so Jacoby's kind of like filling those yeah. shoes now, and I think they're going to let dude, I think he's a backup. I think he's a great oh, backup. Great dude, though. Great dude. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he like a, he's, a, he's a classic, like, journeyman quarterback type is how I see him. <laughs> a, maybe Future like guest a, host he on could the have, show. Yeah, he, <laughs> that's right. He could have a Fitzpatrick career. There's a, there's a lot of options here. I want to know if Cam is going to be healthy to come back to Carolina because even though I respect what Ron Rivera did, they could use a little bit of a refresh there. I think they have a lot of talent on that team in Carolina. Their new coach, Kevin Stefanski, is going to probably take them to the next level. Well, how's he going to be coached there? And the Falcons yeah, at the same yeah, time. That's true. Um, I guess we can't all pick from the NFC South, though. Uh, so Carolina's intrigue team. But I'll throw this out there, and this would take a lot of work for it to happen, but we see it all the time. A rookie quarterback contract, somebody stacks up, and they make their way into the playoffs and surprise everyone. Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals. I could see Kyler taking sure. a huge step next year as rookie quarterbacks do. And I think he's been really good this year. They're 4-9, but their defense is a complete joke. And he has shown in a lot of different games that he can be the real deal. So, And I also think the Rams could just be going backwards and, and next year yeah. really struggle. I can't so I tell with them. Yeah, they're they're too up and down. But you know, another team is Denver. Yep. I think that when yeah. you get a Vic Fangio yep. defense in there for two years, like I get what's going on with Vaughn. He's like, it hurts to my soul. We get it, dude. Losses hurt. Move on. 
But when Vic gets a hold of that defense again and they get Bradley Chubb back and they finally find a quarterback and maybe having Drew Locke. I mean, dude, what they went down and did it to Houston, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit to like, maybe this team is kind of pretty good, sneaky good, just needs a little bit more time to cook. We're going to put Teddy on every team. So Teddy no, will play in don't Denver. don't go there, Teddy. Go to Tampa, Teddy. Go the, the, to, the receivers, to though. Godwin and Evans. Oh, you love them. They're in Tampa but Bay. But that's, that's, the, that's what Denver needs. They traded Emmanuel Sanders away. Like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. He's showing up now in San Francisco in huge waves. All right, final hot route for the day. Mike Zimmer joked earlier today that uh, either he or Aaron Rodgers needs to leave the NFC North. Like Zimmer reuses this joke every time they play the Packers. He told the Packers media today that Rodgers should retire, and you know they he, a few years ago he said they should trade Rodgers, and just on and on and on. Um, I think it's a backward compliment. Uh, anyway. Who ends up out of the NFC North sooner, Mike Zimmer or Aaron Rodgers, and when will that be for both? Jed, why don't you start? Uh, Zimmer ends up out of the division sooner. Uh, I think Mike, I mean, he, I think he'll still be around here for a while, but let's say that'll be around 2022 or so for Zim. Rodgers' contract runs through 2024, which will take him approximately to the age of 40, at which point he will politic to continue to play for the Packers. If the Packers are smart, they will move on. But probably the earliest they do is 2025. So I think Rodgers departs after this contract is up at, a, at the age of 40 or so, 2025. What do you think, Alex? I would have to agree with that. I think Aaron sits, sits himself in a very high seat in that table. And, dude, he's a minority owner of the Bucks. Like, you you. <laughs> They're so hard to be like, Aaron, listen, let's have a real conversation. He's like, wait a minute, I own part of a basketball team. What do you want to talk about? Like, <laughs> Could you imagine trying to have a conversation with him? Like, dude, listen, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. He's, he's not going anywhere. He owns probably half the Packers. You just don't know it yet. So my question, though, is when is Zimmer going to not be in the NFC North? Jed? Mm-hmm. Well, I said about 2022 or so. I mean, he's what, 60 what right now? I don't think he's going to continue to coach forever. No, you can't. Yeah, but that's the hill. Yeah, it's hold a, on. I'm looking up his age right now one. to find um, out. Jonathan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Judd on his timeline. He's 63 right now for the for Zimmer. I think he's got either two weeks left or he's got a month and a half left on this current contract, depending on how well they do into the playoffs. But I think he still gets another contract extension. I think he's here through the 2022 season. As you said, Rodgers' contract goes through the 2024 season. I don't see him playing for another team. I think he wants to be a one-team guy with the Packers um, just to go against completely unless, against Brett Favre. Unless he's planning on coming to playing for the Vikings! That's right. Uh, <laughs> so the question surrounding this would be, if Zimmer gets anywhere in the playoffs this year, then it would take a lot for him to ever not be sort of on his uh, own by his own decision or, or mm-hmm. not by his own decision be taken out of this position if he goes deep in the playoffs again. It will kind of be like a Marvin Lewis type of yeah. thing where even if he has some down years, you're going to say, look, the guy did so much for us in those first years. We know he's a good coach. And if he continues to have great defenses, he can stay around even longer than maybe a normal coach would because you're going to go 8-8 eight and eight, even if your offense is bad. We saw that last year. With that offense, most of the time you go 6-10. and 10. Most of the time you go 5-11 and 11 when you rank 23rd in offense or whatever they were. Um, but in that case, they hung around in the playoff race. So if they continue to do that, even if the offense slips in the future, then he will keep being the head coach. I think he could be for another... I, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I mean, if they lost these next two games and missed the playoffs, they might make a change. I doubt that's going to happen, but yeah. if they 
uh, go on and win a couple of playoff games here, especially on the road, then he's going to have however long you want to coach, you're allowed to coach. And I think Zimmer's going to do it until it's over. Like I think he's going to keep coaching and coaching and coaching um, until he can't take it anymore. With Rodgers, his situation is interesting because he's got a bunch of injuries that have sort of piled up over the years, and he doesn't move as well as he used to. And I wonder, being the kind of smart guy that he is, if he would get to, to some point in the next few years, especially if he didn't win, if his team was poor, if he would just say, you know what, I'm done. I'm just, this is it for me. I'm out. Um, but I think it is Rodgers who stays longer than Zimmer. It's just, I, I'm not sure that it's as definitive as we think, hmm. if that makes sense. All right, that is your hot routes for today. That's fun. Uh, it, it is was. always. Now, what was I going? Oh. So, I, here's my question. I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. These next two games, say Stefanski calls up some of the greatest plays, right? Like he's just he's cooking people, torching them every which way. Gets them into the playoffs, and their their offense is leading the way, right? I'm just asking: Is there any chance in your guys' mind that the Vikings are like, you know what? Maybe we just hook up with this dude. I don't think so. I don't think I, so. I, I can't see. I think the Wilfs love Zimmer. I agree. And, I think they love Stefanski too, though, and that's the problem. Yeah. Is like he's the dude. Like, dude, last year it was uh, what's his uh, Josh McDaniels, right? Now Josh goes and ruins his whole damn thing because he's like, you know what? I'm gonna be the guy. No, I'm not. So now everyone's like, okay, now you take a back seat to Kevin because I feel like Kevin's the hottest dude right now, and everybody wants him because he's so innovative that he's like, listen, I can figure out what our strengths are, and we can run with that, mm-hmm. and that is so appealing to free agents. Dude, this guy's going to make me a star. Yes, I will take less to become a star. Like, it's more than just what you do. It's what you do with everybody around you. Mm -hmm. And now all this offense is having a breakout year. And everybody's just so quick to dismiss him. Oh, well, we'll see him against when he's on the other side of the field. You don't always want to do that. Sometimes that's not the smart decision. Sometimes you're like, man, this guy and Kirk Cousins have a thing going on, and it is not worth ruining. I don't even disagree with the logic because offense is so much more valuable to you in oh, terms yeah. of being consistently in the playoffs and in the hunt for the Super Bowl. And offense correlates much stronger to going to the Super Bowl than defense does. You can have an average defense make the Super Bowl. Sometimes you can have a bad defense make the Super Bowl. But if you have a bad offense, that oh, happens That happens once a decade, and we all remember the examples of it for that reason. Hey, Alex, yes. so, here's my guess. I don't think it's that hot of a take. I just don't think it would ever happen. September of next year, opening day or primetime kickoff, Vikings. Stefanski's in Carolina, Atlanta, something like that. And your and your OC is a young man by the name of Clint Kubiak. And Gary's still here working with Kevin. Cousins. It's not Kevin. Yeah, it, but it's Kevin, but but how much? That, that's the whole, uh, well, the quarterback's coach will be the OC. It's not the OC. I understand that. Yeah. But, but I, think that's, I think that's the most likely scenario. But my point, but my, oh, my point is. I, the, I feel you. Right, but my point is the schematics of this whole thing were not installed by Kevin. They were installed by Gary, and Kevin's done a great job, not to take away. But I think it goes, Kubiak stays, which to me is the most important thing here. Clint takes over for Kevin, and they roll, and Kirk, as long as Kirk is comfortable and happy, you're in decent shape. What if Kirk's not happy? What if Kirk goes upstairs and goes, hey, listen, I got a vote now, too. 
then you have well, if Kirk said, controversy I'm, I'm that Judd Zolgad loves. Just listen, 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 listen. I'm <laughs> just saying. People always thought, too, like there'll be no fully guaranteed contracts. Kirk Cousins was really the first one to be like, it gets fully guaranteed or now, I don't show now up. Now, that would be wild if Cousins said, the only uh, way I'm staying on an extension is if you name Stefanski ooh. the head coach. But I don't. I don't think that Cousins really, and, and we were talking about this earlier, based on the way that Zimmer talks about Cousins, I don't think they have really any relationship at all. I, I mean, I, 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 <laughs> but who does that hurt? Who do you pay more? You know what I'm saying? Like, eventually, you what the players say and do has to affect the team somehow. Listen, dude, I get it. He's the head coach, but that's our quarterback. Yeah. He's paid a lot yeah. of money. And if he's like, hey, I don't want Kevin leaving, what are you going to do? Because, man, that would really be the first time that a player's ever spoken up like, listen, I really like this dude. A lot. This is kind of what happened with Lovey Smith and Dirk Cutter a few years ago with Tampa. The only thing is it does make you look a little bit bad as an organization to if you if Zimmer wins twelve games this year, they're like, sorry, we want to keep uh, Kevin. So see ya. It's it just would look tough. ridiculous. Like and also, keep everybody. I, I would I would make the point too, and we've seen the learning curve from Zimmer over his years that we think a lot of people because they're good coordinators could be good head coaches, and then you find out, oh yeah, uh, guess what, Freddie <laughs> Freddie Kitchens, life ain't easy <laughs> like that. It's very difficult, Huge and that's that's why Freddy. sometimes. I think even though I'm very hard on coaches who mess up game management and stuff like that and the clock, good luck replacing them, though, with the leadership element. And even someone like Sean McDermott, a first-time coach, I had heard a couple of things in his first year like, yeah, the guys are really confused about how he's treating players and he's treating them like college guys and things like that. And he had to work through that and was lucky that they made the playoffs the first year to get to this point. So experience does matter at that spot. I think they would Try to just find the next Kevin Stefanski to come in and be Gary's best friend. So let's uh, take a break here. We'll come back. I want to ask you guys to go back to the 2018 offseason. The Vikings season had just ended in the NFC Championship game, and there was the massive debate going on in Minnesota. And I think we're getting closer to knowing who was right and who was wrong about that debate. So let's discuss when we return. Alex Boone, Judd Zolgad, Matthew Collar here on Score North. Jonathan here with the Score North download. Do your holiday shopping online and save up to 70% with the Score North holiday online auction. Golf packages, electric bikes, countertops, sea life passes, and more. To view and bid on the items, visit scorenorth.com and enter keyword auction. Bidding ends today. Mike Zimmer had his update on Dalvin Cook's injury. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I have an update. He's he seems to be doing good. Real helpful there. Here's Dalvin Cook's injury update. Injury update on his own injury, saying, "I'm gonna go through my normal week of preparation of getting ready for the game. I don't know. I'm gonna spend as much of the time as I can in the training room to get ready to play, and then we're gonna go from there. You know, it's, it's a different injury than I had before. It's my shoulder this time, but you know." That's where we at with it. That's a bit more insightful and more telling of whether Dalvin Cook will play on Monday night against the Packers. That's been your Score North download. Now back to the final segment of the day of Purple Daily. Thank you, Jonathan. Matthew Collar, Judd Zolgad, Alex Boone here on the show. And uh, guys, one of the most intriguing stories that I have ever covered was after the Minnesota Vikings lost in the 2017 season um, NFC Championship game. And then they were an NFC Championship team without an answer at quarterback. 
which how often is that ever the case that you have gone to the NFC title game and then you have this great defense, these great weapons, and no quarterbacks under contract. And the debates uh, until Kirk Cousins was signed were just super fun to have and super interesting. The Vikings had all sorts of options. They could have traded for Alex Smith. They could have drafted Lamar Jackson. They could have kept Teddy Bridgewater. They could have kept Case Keenum. And I think I'm to the point where I have decided that what I love about that debate is that almost everyone got to be right. Because even the Case Keenum people always added on, well, we got to keep Teddy, too, though, just in case <laughs> that he's Keenum is not what we thought he was. Or we have to draft Lamar Jackson, too, just in case then we can develop you know, Lamar behind Case Keenum and so forth. So even those people are mostly right. The only way you could be completely wrong is if you thought that Case Keenum was going to continue to be 2017 version over and over again, which he's proven in Denver and in Washington that that was just not going to be what happened. So my question is, has Kirk already gotten to a point where he has justified the move, where he has made the Vikings right? Even though he didn't make the Pro Bowl, he has better numbers than Aaron Rodgers does. He's one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL this year. They are 10-4. and four. He's won a, a game or two in primetime even. So before he plays this huge game against the Packers, which I will say is huge even if the playoff implications are not super massive, I'll, I'll continue to say it's a big game on Monday night. Before this... Are we ready to decide that the Vikings did not blow this, that they made the right move in paying the amount they paid for Kirk Cousins? What do you think, Alex? Yeah, I think you do. I think if you look at last year, you look at him and you say, listen, he didn't get us to the playoffs, and Casey didn't either. But Casey still threw for a lot of yards in Denver, and he didn't always put up the best numbers, but he still put the ball up. And so it was kind of like, man – I think that's when people were like, it's kind of a wash. Like, we could have kept Casey and maybe done some things with him and helped grow this team into what it could have been. We don't know. But this year, when you're looking at it, you're like, man, Kirk's taking a step forward and he's taking a step up and he's taking this team to where they want to go and where they need to go. And yeah, I get it. They're sitting in sixth place in the playoffs. But dude, they're still one of the best teams in the NFL right now. Like, the top is of the NFC is so tightly packed with all these guys in there that you're like, man. They're not there without Kirk Cousins. They're not getting to where they are. And and credit Zimmer and Spielman for what they did because they didn't go out and say, hey, we need Lamar Jackson. Listen, nobody was drafting Lamar as a quarterback. Let's stop lying to ourselves because everybody was down on him as a quarterback. The only reason the Ravens did it was because Greg Roman was sitting in that room and he was like, I know exactly what to do with that kid. Bring him here. And they were smart enough to go get him. So the Vikings had no chance of even getting What are they going to do, make him a receiver? They don't. Everyone else would have just waggled him. Hey, let's go run waggle. Let's uh... Only Greg Roman knows what to do with a great quarterback like that. So they were right in doing that. So Zim and Spielman were like, listen, who's great at handing the ball off and not turning the ball over? Kirk Cousins. Boom. He fits into this offense. They went out and found the guy that they wanted, but now all of a sudden it's like the relationship between him and Stefanski is growing, and the way that this offense could be, you're like, my God, the ceiling is so high right now in this team. And then you look over at Casey in Washington, you're like, man, it's not cool. I mean, it, it, Casey's a great guy, great player, but you know the things that went on there this year just weren't in his favor. So, yeah, I think it's already being justified. Can I credit the Vikings while also ex- expressing frustration with sure. them? Because here's my, here's my thing right now. 2019, they got it right. They definitely did. Here's my frustration, though. There was no reason in 2018 with Kirk that they couldn't have gotten it right then. Right. And I say that because... If you sign a guy, and this is not the responsibility of the media, 
the fans. It's the responsibility of a team that signs a guy to the day that they sign him to the first, I believe, first fully guaranteed contract in this league. Fully guaranteed. That for that day and about two weeks makes him the highest paid quarterback, the most premium position probably in all of sports. To not get it right with the ingredients that you put with him, to me, is a massive miss. And in 2018, you know, they get beat by by Philadelphia in the NFC title game, and they're so impressed by what the Eagles did that they then go get a coach from that coaching staff, the quarterback's coach. They sign this quarterback who they should have full well known what he had to have to operate successfully, and they miss. Eight, seven, and one. They barely miss the playoffs. They shouldn't have. And if Kirk Cousins had had a guy like Kubiak last year, they make the playoffs because they win, I think, at least two more games. So I, I don't disagree with you, but I also think that we took too much of the blame off of Cousins when he threw pick sixes and he threw the ball backwards and he fumbled like crazy. And a lot of it was on him where he had chances to win games and just didn't come through, even when receivers were open, that there was a lot of him feeling the pressure of signing that contract and never having won before. And this year, I think he's let some of that go. I do think that they've put much better things around him. But isn't it the point that when you pay that much, you're supposed to be able to overcome something? So that year was an epic failure. And I can't pin it all on Filippo, and I can't pin it on Tom Compton and, and things like that. I, I look at the quarterback as not having played anywhere near well enough and that they would have had probably better results with some other players. But what they've gotten out of him this year and his improved play so far would point to, okay, if you got the third, fourth, fifth best quarterback in the NFL, let's say he's fifth best in the NFL, then you've done pretty well. Then you've gotten your money's worth from him this year up to this point. But what's unfortunate about the situation Kirk Cousins is in is that he will only ever be judged by how far they go in the playoffs. If he cannot go farther in the postseason than Case Keenum, even though it took a miracle to get there, if he cannot go farther, then it will always be looked at as it just wasn't good enough. It was it was nice to have him, but and it there were some be fun moments, and there were lots. And, and I think that this is the rare situation. Alex, tell me if you disagree with this. I think it's the rare situation where you can say about a quarterback, yeah, dude, it's just about how far you go in the playoffs. That everything else, these wins against Detroit and the Los Angeles Chargers, I mean, those are good. Those are ones you're supposed to have. But with the infrastructure that he's been given by this Vikings team and to Rob Brzezinski with the cap and right. the Wilfs for spending what they've spent and some luck and some good drafting mixed in and all those things together, all the investment on the offensive line, they've spent picks and money and everything else. They've given Cousins a quarterback's dream. And if he doesn't win, it probably will be because he just wasn't good enough in the playoffs. And if he doesn't get playoff wins in his time here, then it will not have worked. What do you say probably, though? Like, there's there's so many things that have to pass the eye test, right? Like, what if they go out and lose 50 to 49? Is everyone <laughs> yeah. going to be like, hey, Kirk, you suck. Like, you can't do that. You have to wait and see. Yeah, last year, everyone's throwing Filippo under the bus. He, you know, Dalvin gets hurt. There's so many things that go wrong. But you're a professional team, so that falls back on the coaches and the GM. Like, you should have been prepared for that. This year, they're set up so nicely, and everything's working well, and everything's coming together. I still think the narrative is yet to be written about him. 
Who knows what's going to happen going forward? All I know is I'm really excited because he's on a trajectory that he hasn't been on yet. And he's on a team with guys around him who I think are truly starting to believe in him. And they're kind of like, you know what? In a tough situation, Kirk can get us out of it, and he doesn't even need the run game right now. Like That's the narrative going right now. If you go into the playoffs, whether you go deep or early or whatever happens, you don't make it. The rest of the games have to be written about him. They got You still have to see what happens. Yeah, if he goes in there and just lays a goose egg, people are going to be like, dude, you're done. You're cooked. You're never going to win the big one. If you go out there and yeah. people are like, you know what? This offense is really sparking something. It's the defensive back end that can't get it going. Uh, the more I'm thinking about this, the more I'm like, you know what? Stefanski is going to be the next guy because that's been the Achilles now. All of a sudden, you have this offense that people are like, man, Kirk Cousins sucks. Well, he's putting up some really, really sweet numbers right now, so he doesn't suck. The problem is he keeps getting hit a lot. People keep intercepting the ball in Seattle that we're all like, how is that not DPI? Are we being for real with that? Like that's There's just some instances that we're like, man, that's not on him. It's not Kirk's fault right now. Like He has some good wins under his belt. But going forward, yes, if you don't do something in the playoffs and you don't show that you have life and a spark and get the ball where it needs to be, the narrative about him will always be that he can't do it. And, and just as a you know, statistical appreciator, put it that way, uh, sample size of Week 17 games and playoff games and things like that and Monday Night Football where he's come up short are all so small and so hard to pin down performance by performance that it's hard to definitively say that the guy can't win because of those games, that he isn't a winner or that he is a choker, because there are far too many examples of him playing very well under those instances and maybe not losing for whatever reason, like in Seattle. But the Seattle game is a great example. If you lose that in the playoffs, that same game, and Kirk Cousins has a chance with the ball to go win and doesn't do it, then we're going to go back to the day he signed and say, it didn't work. If you you come away, the big picture is going to matter more than the than the little picture here right. then then under the microscope of well you know he threw for 280 yards in that game and wasn't bad but the big picture if they come away with zero playoff wins i don't care but if do it's we, new orleans or whoever else it's going to come back to him because he's well, been given such great infrastructure since being signed but here. do we expect him to be a wilson a brady of course yes. like that he's not yes. so but for no. the money yeah, then no, for yeah. the money then the answer has to be right, yes. but, 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 but that's my to be a brady but that's what I expect. Do Hand you? Because I don't think you're going to. Yes, I don't think you're going to get the all-time great though. I just don't. I don't. And and keep in mind too. This is why this was a three-year window to get it right every year, and the Vikings slipped up year one, and the quarterback did too. But he was never that guy. He was never going to be that guy. They overpaid to get a person that they thought was a substantial improvement. On Keenum, but who we were never going to talk about in my mind as a guy bound for Canton. Agreed, but you don't. You didn't just overpay. You over overpaid. Yeah, like you guaranteed the one guy's rod. People are like, wait, what? Kirk you Cousins? triple dog overpaid, right? You you yeah, fully you guaranteed. So Kirk you can't goof it up. Right, yeah. and I agree. That's why the last year everyone's kind of like, man, Filippo, Like, dude, you they got rid of him as soon as they could. But to me, Stefanski taking over last year and kind of putting the trajectory on the up makes me think that you guys are all really high on Gary Kubiak, but it should really be Stefanski's the one that's like, listen, let Gary get whatever he wants. I'm going to be the next head coach wherever I want. 
Like, that's fine. They're going to see without me. That's why I'm so scared of losing him because when you see the chemistry between a coach and a player and the guys that just can read each other, you're like, man, this just doesn't happen every day. You've got to run with this as long as you can. And the narrative is still yet to be written. We have a huge Monday night game coming up this week, and then you have an even bigger Bears game next week. And who knows what happens. But all eyes are going to be on Kirk. You're right. They're going to be like, dude, listen, here's where this contract is going to either pay itself off or com- prove to be a complete dumpster fire. How do we think this thing would have played out in those other scenarios? With Case Keenum, here's a, here's a question that's tough to answer. Uh, give Case the organization, the defense. Give him Stefanski. How much different is there, and even DeFilippo last year, how much different is their record at this moment how much different is Case Keenum's win-loss record as a quarterback right now than what Kirk's is? Right now for this season? No, I mean for the whole time. The whole time? Oh. For the last two years. If they had gone that direction, because a lot of people were like, wait, you're getting rid of a quarterback that went to well, the NFC Championship? Well, wait, wait. They were only 8-7-1. and one. Let's not think that they were 12-4. That's right. That's so kind you, of the I mean, point. it could have been the same record. That's why I'm saying. That's I, what I mean. I always said from the beginning, Casey was something. He was like Teddy in the locker room. He was something the guys could rally around and be around and had a great mm. humor and a great uh, leadership about him like something about you just naturally gravitated towards him and he was funny and you always loved him so you're right what would have been the difference of having another year with casey it'd have been almost interesting to see what happened well see who's so, the oc so kirk you well, said stefanski go well no go Filippo, then stefanski because oh, right now kirk has won 18 out of 30 games and the number of games that he has won that were against winning teams or that i would qualify as really big wins is pretty Low. I mean, you, you could put that Dallas game as a big win. Last year in Philadelphia, uh, did you go with me that, or was that me alone in Philadelphia? No, I didn't go to okay, that one. The, the one. That I was, was the championship I was game. in Philly for, but that was a great performance by Kirk, yep. and that was a big win for them, and he would deserve credit for that. But aside from that, it's hard to go through and look at the schedule they've played and say, well, yeah, I mean, Kirk put on a performance that night that they could have never won with Keenum. Keenum didn't turn the ball over when he was playing under Shermer. Kirk right. turned it over a lot last year. And this is kind of the point about uh, the money that you pay Kirk Cousins. It only matters for what happens from here on out. Because everything else, another guy probably could have won those games. And for, sur- for sure, if it's the Teddy Bridgewater that was just playing for New Orleans and went 5-0, mm. and for sure he would have this sort of record with this team, with these receivers. Because we saw him with a great infrastructure in New Orleans, and he won, went 5-0. and oh. yep. If it had been Alex Smith, we know Alex Smith with a great infrastructure could win a ton of games. If it's Lamar Jackson, if they had done it right, if they had gotten an OC like Greg Roman, who knew how to deal with this, then they would have won a lot of games. So if you want it to be a success, it has to be over what anybody else would have done or what a lot of other quarterbacks would have done, not just for regular season numbers, but for what happens in the future, which is a very harsh way to be graded. But that's the only way we'll know who is right about that argument. Right. Dude, it's... It's kind of maddening, though, sometimes when you break it down like that, because I never really thought about it like, man, Casey really probably could have done the same as maybe even more. Like if you think about the steps that they probably could have taken as an offense and what they could have done. I mean, the Broncos last year were like, what, seven and nine? It's almost the same record. I mean, it's just it's 
It's weird though how and they had a really bad setup. They did, and you but you look at what Kirk's done in year two in this offense. It's always year two that you make the biggest strides mm-hmm. because guys are together and they're in sync. And I, I, it's hard to go back and be like, listen, I wouldn't take Kirk because of the year that they're having and the year that he's having and what they've been able to do with him. Right, so, that's another thing that makes it I, so interesting. I know you, that like, you dude, don't want a guy with 111 quarterback rating. You, you, you're not going to do that. Absolutely <laughs> not. And you already knew me. I was pissing to make the Pro Bowl. So I, I mean, I like the Kirk Cousins things, but the narrative is going to be written very soon about him, and I hope it's in his favor. Uh, real quick, just before the end of the show, I want to point this out. So the NFL announced ten players for the Centennial class, or ten who will be chosen. A whole list of potential players who will be chosen from. Um, and Jim Marshall is not on this list. And just F off, Hall of Fame. Just I, just go to hell. If you don't have Jim Marshall on this list, you can bite me. Jim Marshall, by pro football references approximate value, which is like a wins above replacement stat, was as valuable as Joe Montana through his career. 31st all-time most value to his team. Played a massive role on the best, some of the best teams of all time. And you're saying this guy doesn't even deserve consideration. You have, you have, I mean, you have guys in here who I've never heard of or who are good players and are deserving, but nobody that flies in the air of Jim Marshall. And for him to not even get consideration on this is just BS. Does any league do history worse than this league? No, they certainly well, don't. Barry Bonds isn't in the baseball Hall of Fame. That's pretty rough. But uh, but I, no, I'm yeah, saying but fo- I'm saying overall celebration yep. of your sport. Yep. I'm not saying one guy. I'm yep. saying does any league do history worse than this league for a league that has a magnificent history? They got a dude from an offensive lineman from the 30s who's getting considered for this. And sorry, Ox Emerson, but like, are you <laughs> bleeping kidding me? Ox. I mean, old Ox Emerson. And why didn't we, great bro- why didn't we break these up too? That's what I don't get. Yeah, Eras hey. are totally different in football. Why are we breaking them up? Who knows? Didn't Jim Marshall go to Ohio State? Yeah, I believe that's correct. Yep, and he was Cleveland Brown originally, and then he was, I think, taken by the Vikings in the expansion draft. Expansion draft? Yeah, yeah, they had they used to have that. 1960. So Jim Marshall ran the wrong way once. The Keysar Stadium, baby. That was a problem. Yeah. And they didn't keep sack numbers. Which is incredible. Which is incredible. How how do you not? Until 82, Alex. How do you not do that? How are you not like, hey, that quarterback's not getting up. You should probably write that down. No, dude, it's not important. Not important at all. From <laughs> from 68 to 71, though, I mean, in terms of the way that approximate values figured out is sort of figuring out your role in how successful your team was. Right. So 68 to 71, the Vikings are among the, the absolute best of the best. He only made two Pro Bowls, which is yeah, the Pro Bowl is really a great, great way to look at it, considering that they just left Eric Kendricks off. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it just is mind-blowing to me that Jim Marshall would not even get consideration in this. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. But it's super, super frustrating when you have somebody that was that big of a part of a team's history and a part of their success going to four Super Bowls, and they can't even get consideration. And there's, you know, there's lots of other guys too. Finally, I've, I have Roger Craig. He got on the list. I've been arguing for him for some time. Dude, I mean, a thousand yards rushing, a thousand yards receiving. No big deal. Yep, you, no big deal. You deserve to be in there. And another guy that I would stand up for forever is Kent Hall, who was the center for the Bills. And sometimes they'll be like, "Well, we've already put in a lot of guys from a great team." Like, yeah, but they didn't use that free agency. So you just kept stacking great players, and that's the Bills in the 90s. 
everything started with their center, Kent Hall. And for him to have no consideration for Hall of Fame irritates me, too. So there you have it. That's fair. I'm mad. I'm mad. I just, you're right, Judd. I mean, sometimes, like, it's looking you right in the face about someone like Jim Marshall. League has no idea how to celebrate itself. That's its problem. Well, that's not their only problem. Uh, You're right. One of many problems. (laughs) The officiating they're going on right now, they've got a lot of problems to figure out. You're exactly right. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Somebody said that they think that it'll be the instant replay reviews with pass interference will be completely gone next year. And then we'll all all remember, huh, remember that time they tried to review uh, pass interference and it was a nightmare? They are going to overrule a ticky-tack call in the playoffs. I guarantee it before this is done. Against New Orleans. Oh, yeah. It'll be against New Orleans. Don't do that. You don't don't want to do that. You Uh, don't even want to joke. In the Vikings' favor at the Superdome. Very possible. Very possible. Alex, uh, always great stuff. I know you worked a little overtime this week. Are you kidding me? You guys are the best. (laughs) I love you guys. Well, appreciate that. We'll talk to you you next week. Uh, Judd, please pack up your things and leave the building. Um, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow, Myron Metcalf and myself, and I guess they'll let Judd on as well. So we'll talk to you then here on Purple Daily. Okay, close your eyes and imagine. Well, unless you're driving. Yes, imagine you bought a scratch ticket from the Iowa Lottery. Or someone gave you one. Yes, right. And you scratch, and you've won. One big. Yes, in fact, there are 13 holiday games with big cash prizes. And if you don't win, play it again. You can still win up to $100,000 in the VIP club. But you have to enter and see rules and complete details at IALottery.com slash VIP. Yes. Thank you. Woohoo! Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays, and Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.